Who knew in the moment? The premise of the show is that as you're living your life, very rarely do you realize the magnitude of a moment while it's happening. However, in hindsight, we can see all of the pivotal moments that led to where we're at. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hello and welcome to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment, the podcast. I'm your host, Phil Friedrich, and today I am honored to have Sean Anthony with me. Sean is the founder of School's Over, Now What? And uh, you're going to hear this theme, and I think a lot of people can relate to it. But one of the things I also think you're going to pick up from Sean's story is just how pivotal some of the younger uh, interactions he had end up being later in life and some of the lessons he learned and how he parlayed them. So, Sean, thanks so much for being on, my man. Hey, man, I'm excited to be here, man. I think you got an amazing show. I love your mission statement, and let's get it. Yes, sir. So to start your story, when you're a young boy, you have this internal burn to win a reading contest. So talk about (laughs) why the heck you have that and some uh, lessons learned from accomplishing that. Hey, man, first off, you did a lot of research to find that. (laughs) Um, In a a reading contest, there were... I understood like the power of words and I understood if you say a word a certain way, people will have a different feeling. Mm. And I understood that in second grade. So second grade, it was Miss Weeks class. I hope she's doing okay. I'm not even sure where she's at in life, but uh, uh, it was second grade. It was this book. It was like the, uh, the bird rabbit and, and the turtle. Yeah. Uh, one of those books. Um, not sure if you're familiar with that one. Yes, but sir. It was, it was that book and, and every kid in the classroom would read a certain amount of pages and, and then they were literally judging who was the best reader and it got to me man and i gave those characters disney animation worthy uh, type type stuff and i i won a trophy i won a trophy uh for reading that book uh, and i remember and this is so funny now that i'm older and we'll probably get into this. When I made the leap for entrepreneurship, uh, my dad told me for the first time, he knew when I got off that school bus with that trophy from that reading contest, he knew at that moment, even back then, that I was something special. Wow. So, you know, when when we think about being, you know, a child, there is such formidable years and there's so many things that can either be, you know, escalators for us or roadblocks, stumbling blocks for us, you know, as children. Talk a little bit about that for you growing up, you know, and just the dynamic of your household. You had brothers, uh, you know, just kind of talk about those relationships there. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It could be an escalator or it can push you back. Uh, For me, like my father was a champion, like literally Mm. he was a bodybuilder who went IFBB pro. So literally my whole entire life, I just watched this guy win trophies. Yeah. Uh, he won Mr. North Carolina. He won like uh, Mr. Metrolina. He was just was winning so much. And every time he would go to a competition, he would win a trophy. And I even remember, and I think about it now, it's kind of funny now and I think about just watching him. Yeah. Imagine a bodybuilder, right? I'm not sure what they're doing nowadays, but imagine a bodybuilder in a competition on stage with other bodybuilders and my dad would like flex his muscles over the other bodybuilder's hands and you couldn't even see the face anymore. <laughs> power move, I'm like, power move. Yeah, I'm like, whoa. Like now I think about it, like, do you know how gutsy that is? So he would do that and he would win a lot, yeah. you know? And so it was so crazy seeing him win all those trophies. So I came from a champion. My mom uh, was the first person who, who really had a lot of career success in her family. Mm. And she became like a corporate financial analyst 
uh, for QVC. So I saw her get promoted, but I also saw our lives change, right? Yeah. I saw a job take us from living in a trailer to mm. living in a two-story house on the good side uh, of uh, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina. And looking back as I got older, I'm like, yo, that was a big leap. That was a big yeah. difference. Right. Um, so they escalated my life and how I was thinking. And then I have one older brother. And I think the advantage is if you have an older sibling is you get to see them screw up <laughs> before you do. Right. Yeah, yeah. But you also get to see uh, where they're winning at. And depending on your age range, you can accelerate your growth by thinking their age while you're still your age. Yeah. Uh, and for me, that's what that's what really was happening for my brother. I'm sure we'll get into it, but I learned a lot from him that changed my life. Yes. So as as you're growing up, yeah, your your brother gets into some party promotion and you decide, well, goodness, I kind of could be an entrepreneurial mindset. Maybe I will start hosting events. Talk a little bit about one being 14 years old, but two, uh, what you were actually doing there. Yeah, man. At 14 years old, my brother went to North Carolina A&T, uh, which they have this amazing saying. They like to call it Jiho, the greatest homecoming on earth. So they were known for like these extravagant big parties. Yeah. And my brother became a big time party promoter. So at 14, I would be the young kid that would go visit his brother in college. And as I was doing this, I was in that environment. So I was at the clubs. I was standing on couches. I was partying and VIPs with music artists like Rick Ross, Young Jeezy. I was having the time of my life at 14. Yeah, uh, which is crazy. I think about it now. I can't imagine 14 year old <laughs> being able to even get in the club. Right. 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 Uh, b- but for me, no one would check me. No one would pat me down. I would literally walk right on in. No one would look for an ID. Uh, and I understood how he was getting all these people by the thousands to show up. And I'm like, hmm, interesting. And I would see the love he would generate. And I saw the marketing. I saw the networking. And I just took the entire skill set. And I went back. At 14, I went back to Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, and I implemented what I just watched him do. And I threw a graduation party, right? It's just still crazy to think about a 14-year-old trying to throw an 18-year-old graduation party. Hey, man, I did it. You know, and not only did I do it, man, but uh, it made $6,000. And then from that moment on, I was in the parties. Yeah. So talk a little bit about being able to sell yourself you know, because I think that's a skill that translates regardless of what age you are. And it can be in business. It can be in relationships, right? I mean, like it's just a life skill, but as a 14 year old, I mean, if I'm 18, I'm looking at, all right, Mr. 14 year old, how are you going to throw me the good party? Like I'm I'm 18, you're 14. So talk a little bit about that for you. Yeah. I think the be able to say yourself is key. No one's ever broken down like that, but that is, that is one of the most powerful things you can do in life. Yeah. Right. If you have the ability to sell yourself uh, and, and people are genuinely bought into you, mm. there's nothing you can't do. You'll never yeah. be broke again. Right. Like, and, and for me, that ability came from just being really genuine, authentic. Mm. And honestly, there's a lot of times at that age where I didn't know if things were going to work. I just had yeah. this insane belief and confidence that people were just going to show up. So <laughs> what I would do is I would make sure that, you know, my particular event, just touch as many hands as possible. So if you're listening to this and you want to become, you know, someone that that you you can be really sold as yourself, how many hands are you shaking? How many people know about your idea? How many people know about your business? And for me, I was literally in parking lots. I was at every senior parking lot from a, a 10 mile radius, 10 to 20 mile radius 
of my school and I would just put this flyer on cars. I got a couple of my friends who just put this flyer on cars. So I was not necessarily shaking hands, but I was touching people, right? Because yeah. they had to get to their vehicle. So uh, for me, it's all about being genuine, being authentic, and then talking about what's in it for them, right? Yeah. And for that point, it was the celebration of them walking across the stage and this being a place where they can have fun. Yeah. Now, as I hear you say that, I think a lot of times, you know, we have either mentors or people that were from the sidelines are able to watch and kind of take notes on. Obviously, you mentioned, hey, I, you know, I was younger, I was seeing my brother do some things. But for you in this phase of life, did you have any mentors or people that were, you know, teaching you things? Or was it more so just kind of observing and then trying to apply what you had seen? Yeah, I mean, at this age, uh, it was my brother. It was also the people that that put him into the game. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so I always think it's so funny because I was throwing these parties even at high school. But I remember my first day before I went to college yeah. and, then I, and I went to, you know, I graduated from Winston-Salem State University. So think about this. Right. The typical person before they go to college, they are probably in Target, Walmart, buying towels, uh, toothpaste. They're buying, you know, bath mats. Yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't me. You know, so the, literally the first day before college. I was in an apartment complex surrounded by other big time nightlife promoters that put my brother into the whole party space. And they were like boot camp teaching me. Like, mm-hmm. All right, man, when you touch down, you got to find the hottest people that are like, that are out and about, that are networking and are talking to people and bring them in and have them a part of your team and yeah. promote events. Like that was literally the day before I went to college. And so my first week at Winston State University, I was doing it. You know, and, I, and, I, and I created a, a team of about 30 plus college students ready to promote anything I had to say. Yeah. Now, one piece of being a leader is having something people want to follow, but the other is being a person that people will follow. Right. And so I think so often um, we, we miss that. Right. We think being a leader is telling people what to do. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of leaders that don't hold a position or a title that would allow them to tell you what to do, but people are wanting to follow them. So talk a little bit about, you know, what it means to be a good leader and, you know, some of the things that you were starting to learn and encompass that people wanted to follow. Yeah, man. I think one uh, being like an example without even speaking, mm-hmm. right? If, if I'm telling you, hey, I think we could market this in a way to get people to show up you know, and it'll be an amazing event that I'm going to really show you with boots on the ground and, and not ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do. Yep. Right. And I think also too, is identifying from a leader standpoint, what role should people play? Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I had 30 plus you know, people, you know, promoting events for me, but at the same time, I identified, you know, three to four guys that I was willing to give money to, yeah. like, you know, because I, I wanted to position them in a way where we we're all going to win. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that brings a different level of hierarchy uh, within the people that are following you. Right. If you can yeah. identify what role people play and being that model example, but also making sure that you're not asking them to do anything that you wouldn't do and yeah. always be a person of integrity and somebody they can trust. And I yeah. think that makes the best leaders. Absolutely. Now, as you're going through college and you're getting, you know, exposure, you're growing the entrepreneurial bug. Right. Uh, I think something that can happen a lot, and this is regardless of if you're young or if you're old, is that you start to tie your identity to what people know you for. 
right? So, hey, I'm, I'm Sean. I'm, I'm at school. Oh, that's the party promoter guy, right? That, that's the guy that throws the, the bangers, right? Uh, <laughs> but all of a sudden, at some point, like, that ends, right? Uh, yes. You know, and, and once again, that could be, hey, I put my, my stock in being Timmy's mom and Timmy's the star quarterback, right? I, I put my stock in being, you know, so-and-so significant other and the relationship ends. Now, who am I? So talk a little bit about that for you, you know, having that phase of life, but then also the transition into the next phase of life for you. Yeah, man. I, I think uh, being someone that can kind of, it's almost like being an investor and understanding that the climate is changing, the market's changing, the trends are changing. What are you going to do to get ahead of the curve? Yeah. And for me, you know, everybody at some point in college, they graduate, either drop out, but they're going to leave. Yep. You know, and a maximum time on that is typically about four years, right? <laughs> so there's four years of, of just crushing it, right? But then I had now these transferable skills. I knew how to manage people, lead people. I knew how to supervise. I knew how to market. I knew how to network. And I took all those transferable skills and I went corporate. And when I went corporate, I started to brand manage companies. So I was a brand manager for Macy's. I was a brand manager for Belk. And I was a brand manager for Target. And, yeah. and as I'm, you know, as I took my first job and excelling with Macy's, I just got started getting promoted so much, like six times in four years. And I looked around and I saw all these people that I went to school with that are now you know, going off, getting married, having kids. And I saw them still stuck. Mm. And I saw them not having the same opportunities I was having. Yeah. And I wanted to create something for them that will give them the answers. And it wasn't until I took a job promotion that took me away from my family. It took me six hours away from my family. I took a job uh, in Virginia and I stumbled across that weird looking podcast, Purple App. <laughs> I stumbled across it, man. I was about to fall asleep um, at a gas station and I had to grab coffee from Dunkin' Donuts and I just clicked the button. I'm like, man, I just got to stay up somehow, some way. And I clicked the button and I started listening to the people like, Am I let uh, Evan yeah. Carmichael, uh, Chris Drama Path, and I'm listening to him. I'm like, yo, something's missing here. Yeah. yeah, these guys are cool. They're saying amazing things. They don't look like me. They don't mm -hmm. sound like me. And I think I can reach some people that they couldn't even reach. Yeah. And and I also thought about all this influence I've had all my life, you know, since I was you know a little kid. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna create that platform. And mm -hmm. I created schools over now. What the podcast. Uh, which is, you know, helped me to do what I'm doing today. Yeah. So I want to rewind to get back to this point. And, you know, you talked about, hey, I was getting a lot of different promotions, right? I was working different, uh, you know, amongst different companies, and they just kind of kept wanting to promote me. I was doing good work. Talk a little bit about work ethic. Uh, you know, I think it was interesting. You talk about you're seeing your dad be a, uh, you know, fitness pro. Well, gosh, dang it. We all know that to be a fitness pro, it takes uh, a lot of work ethic and discipline to get there. You embodied that as you were doing your promotion bit or party business. And then obviously as you got promoted. So talk a little bit about work ethic and discipline and how that helps you and has helped you. Yeah, man. I think the work ethic, you have to like, it's like all this just sounds going to sound so cliche, but it's the truth. Now that I'm older, I think about it. All of the like corny, blah, bland advice people give us, uh, we, we tend to not listen to it. And in reality, it's facts. It is, it's what works. Yeah. And it, it is actually like, it is simple put. If you can understand it and really like, like say, you know what, I'm going to do it. It's going to change your life. Yeah. You know, for me, uh, 
my work ethic was always identified with understanding what are people not willing to do that I am, mm-hmm. right? And and whether whether it is outwork them, right? Whether it is you know um, get a little bit more detail. Whether yeah. it is uh, what can I bring to this experience that they haven't even thought about, you know? And, and as you're going through life, when it comes to work ethic, discipline, um, you're you're gonna have a lot of aha moments. Yeah. It's up to you to connect the dots on the aha moments. Yeah. And what happened for me as I'm getting promoted so much, I was like, ooh, aha, uh-huh. ooh, aha. Uh-huh. So like I'm, I'm doing, I'm getting on this fast track, getting promoted every every couple months. As I'm standing and talking at these meetings, I'm watching everyone's face around me, and I see them, and they're they're in shock. Mm-hmm. I'm saying certain things, and they're like, oh snap! I saw their head turning. So I'm having these aha moments. Yeah. All right. And and I started to connect them. And then one of the biggest aha moments was that for Macy's, one of the biggest things they were trying to do is that they were trying to bring in technology and they understood that, okay, technology is going to be a big thing. Uh, Online shopping is going to be a big thing. Omnichannel is going to be a big thing. And so I brought in Microsoft to Macy's. So I had Microsoft set up um, video game consoles in the men's department, and I had like the CEO of Macy's on a corporate visit, and we're on this corporate visit, and we're going through, you know, show, talking about departments and areas, and the fact that he stopped and started playing Madden in the men's active section, I said, yeah. "Uh huh, got him." Right, yeah. and then here's the crazy part, man. And another aha moment after that was done. Microsoft tried to hire me. <laughs> they, tried, they tried to hire me. They tried to hire me. They sent out this blitz to through all of Microsoft employees about this new partnership uh, with Macy's. And I said, yeah, I'm having too many aha moments. And then there was a part early in my career where I had to speak on a microphone that would like take over the whole, I don't know if to do this. It would take over the whole entire building. Right? Yeah. So you could say something. And I said something one time and there was this guy by the name of Joseph never told this story. There's a guy by the name of Joseph. He was like a specialist in the polo department. And I walked by him. He was like, Sean, your voice, your voice. You got to use your voice. Uh, I said, aha. And then now those aha moments turned into a podcast. Yes, that's so good. Now, you you mentioned this earlier, and I want to tie it into this. And that was, you know, as you're working through different moments in life you're learning life lessons but one of the biggest values is when you can apply it from this instance to that instance so to speak on it from my standpoint you know i played basketball in college and i remember going into job interviews and they would be like well tell us about you know like work experience it's like well i don't have a ton of that but i was the you know team captain on my basketball team and i could relay my work ethic and things that I've been able to accomplish to the working world. So although it wasn't a direct correlation, right, I had never worked for Macy's increased sales, I could say, well, but here's what we did do. And here's how that would apply to your company, right? And I think for so many people, they see themselves as good at something, but they don't understand how to tell the story of how it affects or could impact you know, an entirely different uh, area. So maybe highlight that in your your life and how that's uh, really helped you. Yeah, I, I think um, those highlights, right? Those, those highlights are key. And I think what you have to get better at is explaining what it yeah. is that you did and, and how it makes sense, right? And for me, it was all about ex- not only just explaining it, 
to the point where people are like, okay, promotion, promotion, promotion. It was also understanding my value. And, and if I did it for them, why can't I do it for me? Right. Yeah. And so if you're listening to this and you're someone that, that is understanding you have these transferable skills, what can you take from that job and throw it into yourself? Mm. And that's what I started to learn really when I got with Target. But like it's like, it's like, like, like what what are like what are those things? Like if you're working on this quarterly planning thing, why yeah. can't you quarterly plan for your business? Right. Mm. If you're learning how to attract a customer, why can't you learn how to attract a customer for your business? In the yeah. case for me, if I'm branding a product, why can't I brand people? This is yeah. what I do now. Right. Or, or why can't so those those skills that you did, understanding them, but also figuring out, okay, and, and for me it was like writing it down. So yeah. I would write down all these accomplishments. I'll write down all these things that I've I, that I worked on. I would even write down what my daily routine was at this job. Yeah. And then I said, okay, all right. Let me transfer the same daily routine to my business. What does this look like? Mm. Right. So instead of like studying reports on Monday, maybe I study podcasters. Yeah. Or or, or maybe, you know, maybe I, I read a book in the field I'm trying to get better at. You know, for me, yeah. how do I amplify my gift? So that one of my gifts is the ability to connect with people and naturally just be like an amazing connector that's very tied in. So what am I doing now? is I'm sharpening my knife by reading the best of the best books and then yeah. really implementing it. Whether it's, you know, never eat alone, whether yeah. it's, you know, you know, a give and take, right? Yeah. Like whatever, whatever that is, right? So amplify it and position it. Even if you're learning sales, you're learning what works, what not works, right? Do the same thing with your business. What worked last week? It didn't yeah. work this week. <laughs> Just keep going. That's so good. So to fast forward then, yeah, so we're driving, we had taken a promotion that causes us to travel, we're falling asleep, we got to listen to something, we get, we hear these podcast things. And so we, Joseph in the department store had told us we got a good voice, right? So we're like, all right, well, hey, at some point, maybe let's start a podcast. So talk a little bit about, you know, getting started for you, um, you know, once again, you and I can relate on this. There's a lot of listeners that haven't ever started podcasts, but that's okay. They'll understand the idea of just getting started on something. Yeah, man. Uh, for me, it was, uh, I, I, I threw out there that I wanted to do a podcast and, uh, you know, my wife, she got me uh, for Father's Day uh, a, a mic. Yeah. And this is how crazy it got. Like, it got me a mic and I, th I think I started recording on a mic literally the next week. Yeah. And for me, I... I got really, I want to say lucky, but I would say I, I, I just had this awareness to figure out, okay, how do I come up with a title yeah. that that resonates with people that they feel immediately? And I'm <clears throat> sorry about that. And the title for me, I shared the title with a few people. And a few people were like, oh, yeah, I like that. I get that. Maybe you might want to add, you know, someone to co-host it with you. But I knew one thing about people. No one's going to be committed to your ideas and dreams as hard as you are. So I didn't want to close. Yes. I didn't want to figure out the scheduling piece of what works for you, what works for me. And Lord and behold, who would imagine if I would ever start getting money with this thing? So I, I avoided that, you know? And I said, okay, when you hear the words, no matter how old you are, whether you are 18 or whether you're 44, if you hear the word school's over, now what? And it made you feel a feeling. You immediately yeah. was like, oh, because everyone's been asked that, yeah. you know, whether they cross that stage. And so one, the title was key. Uh, two, I wanted people to know me, my story. Yeah. How did I get to the point of asking, you know, what am I to do next? Yeah. 
you know, and, and I, I outline what that will look like. And I said, okay, in the first episode, and this is so funny. I, I, I created what the first episode was, which is about me. I created what people can expect. And I shared it with a very, very close friend of mine. And, and he said, listen, man, you need to drop your story. Your story first is going to change it. Mm. And I did it. Because because you got to think about it, you only got a couple of seconds to really capture people's attention. Yeah. Right? And I said, okay, if you're going to listen to my podcast, you want to know who you listen to. So I drop it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do better than that. I'm going to release and give people three episodes one time, straight up. You know, the very first time it drops. Because I understood consumers and I understood people from all the stuff I did. Yeah. And I know when people start something, they don't want to finish. They, they If you think about Ozark, you think about, you know, <laughs> Power, you think about all these TV shows, even if it was Jeffrey Dahmer, which I still ain't watched, don't plan on it, but yeah. people keep going, right? right? Um, and so I wanted to give that to them, and so I dropped those three episodes. The third episode was what people can expect, you know. I mean, I'm sorry, the third episode was actually an interview. So the okay, first yeah. one was my story, the second one is what you can expect. So you can expect interviews, you can expect yeah. solos, and the third one, I gave them an interview, yeah, you know, and and, and for me. That was the key and just sharing it. I didn't have, you know, a huge platform at the time. You know, I shared it towards the Facebook community. You yep. know, I uh, I spent time on Instagram probably 30 days prior to it, knowing I had this podcast idea, but I, I focused on showing people a different side of me and we were starting to brand myself separately. Okay, I'm fo- focusing on positive stuff. I'm focusing on certain type of quotes. And as I'm building that up, you're not shocked that now I'm building equity up to show you about a podcast. But yep. man, I dropped my podcast in 2018. The whole entire game was different back then. And oh like, yeah. What is, what is a podcast? Right? Yeah. Uh, uh, for me, so that was the structure. Absolutely. Now we could spend literally hours just talking about the different folks you've had on, but two stories that really stood out to me, I wanted to make sure to highlight. And the first one is with Ryan Serhant. And uh, one, I mean, just a an, an amazing individual and doing phenomenal things. But two, the story of him posting it and the sheer amount of downloads that comes from it. So talk a little bit about how how Ryan came to be on the show and then uh, kind of what transpires after. Yeah, man. So one of the biggest hacks is understanding, like, one, wh- who do you like and who do you watch? Because that'll make for a very interesting interview. Yeah, And I was just watching, like, me and I listened, I could not stop watching it. And, it. and the one guy that I was like, yo, he's just so dope. It's like his swag is different. He, like, he got a little charisma on him. It was yeah. Ryan, Ryan Serhant. Yeah. And I saw Ryan was about to release his first ever book. Yeah. You know, whenever you're dealing with someone of, of, of popularity, man, they about to release a book. They want as much press. They're talking to everybody. Right? Yeah. Um, and I knew it was his first book. I knew I liked the guy and I sent a message. I sent a message. I typed an email up. I pitched him. I said, Hey, look, this is the show I have. Here's why I think you're the perfect fit for this show. Uh, and I think we can impact people. And I really want to highlight what you've done. And the way I did it is that it's so funny. Now think about it. This is 2018. And he literally said to me one, I mean, straight up gave me his number. Um, he literally said to me, hey, man, do you want to come to New York and shoot this? But here's the funny thing about timing. Dude, I wasn't ready for that. I was working <laughs> at a job. I didn't know how. I, I, I'm trying this podcast thing. He's the first big guest. This is like episode seven. Yeah. 
I'm like no one really was doing that. People were more audio focused back then in those right. times. I just wanted to get the interview out the way. So we did the interview. And as I'm interviewing him, he's always on the go. Um, and he was doing the interview. This is so crazy. Now I think about it. Via his phone. Yeah. I had him call up to this thing. This is like, sounds like Old Testament times. <laughs> but he was doing the interview via his phone. But he had me on speakerphone. Yeah. And he was having so many cameras on him because he was shooting uh, his YouTube series. Yes. I think is better than the show you know it's yeah. like yeah you really you're really like you really vibing with him yeah you know and so as he's doing that you can hear my voice asking him questions like yo thank you for being on the show today what would you tell blah 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 and he was responding with like golden nuggets and one of the things he said that i knew was like yeah that was a hard quote for him to say um was he he literally said you know uh if you're in school be a, like, be a student, right? Like, like in the way, he, the way he said it, he, he cussed when he said it, you know. And, and when he, and when he said it, it was the highlight of the of the entire episode. It was the title of the episode. Yeah, it was, it was everything, and they used it. And people were commenting, and people were saying, you know, they were saying, "Yo, who are you talking to?" Yeah, like, like well, where's the rest of this interview at? You know, and I commented. I said, hey guys, if you enjoyed this 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 particular video, you can catch the full interview on schools over now. What? Here's the, the podcast link. So I did it, didn't think nothing of it, went to sleep, closed the laptop, and I woke up the next day. And the next day, Ryan had pinned the comment. So he pinned the comment yeah. to the number one spot, uh, still there today. And when he pinned the comment, you know, it takes less, less for people. If you watch the video, you'll see it. Um, and and went up, man. Seventy-five thousand downloads in one day. Picked it up, like, oh, this is weird. We're all the way up now, right? Yep. So we had a, a whole different type of listener. But the real hack to it, now I think about it, was getting him comfortable. Yeah, you know, and and, and I did enough research on him to understand that he really enjoyed like Oreo ice cream, wearing a white t-shirt on the couch. Yeah, and so if you know what about Ryan, all he does is wear suits. And I told him, I said, hey, listen, man, this is one of the first thirty seconds you can hear his raws. So I don't know yeah. what. I said, hey, man, well, I said, as we do this interview, I don't want the Ryan that's in this suit on Bravo. I want the Ryan with a T-shirt on eating Oreo ice cream at his house. Yeah. And, for that, and it was like, it was like his whole defense mechanism went down and yeah. he gave me one of his rawest interviews. And I knew it was good because now I look back at it as he got to do more and more things. He started letting out some of those gems. And I was yeah. like, yeah, that was, that was hot. I love it. That is awesome. And a second interview that um, has a similar in the beginning story, but uh, ends up a little bit different was with Grant Cardone. And so talk a little bit about going down there, getting canceled, not getting canceled, still oh, going. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good story, man. Listen, I, um, you done a lot of research here. The, the <laughs> Grant Cardone one, man. So funny. I haven't talked about this in a while. So like the Grant Cardone one, I was trying to get him on my show like since the show started. Yeah. And I and it would be like, oh, check back with me in December. I was like, all right, cool. So then it was like, oh, check back with me, whatever. So I was just was relentless. Yeah. And then I finally got him to say yes. And I got him to say yes after I had physically been in Laguna Beach and was at my lad's house. So I was, I was making connects and I was understanding people. Um, and, and I finally got him to say yes after I just left at my lad's house in Laguna Beach. Um, and, and I got an email to say, yeah, Grant will do it. He'll do it in Miami. You can do it at the studio. Literally, man, we're like 
24, 48 hours away from this happening. I got an email. I'm not sure if the girl works there anymore. Basically, I got an email from, from this particular person. And she was like, hey, Sean, uh, um, I just want to let you know, unfortunately, you know, some things came up and Grant no longer will be able to interview with you in person. And I'm like, oh, hell no. I spent, I spent all this money. I've already booked this flight. I've yeah. already, I took time off from work, used vacation time. Cause remember I wasn't full time yet. Yeah. I saw, hell no, this is not happening. And so I picked up the phone, man. I sent a text message to Ed and I said, Hey man, um, I was supposed to go down to Miami and I was supposed to interview Grant Cardone. And I said, but now they're canceling on me. I only know, like, 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 what should I? I mean, could you help me out here? Like, what, what should I do? Yeah. You know, I want to know I'm really legit. Like, I really can do this. And Ed said to me, he said, "Listen, I had a hard time getting Grant my damn self." You know, <laughs> he said, "But listen, what I want you to do is I can't make any promises, but I, what I want you to do is I want you to get on that plane. And I want you to go to Miami." Yeah. And, and, and I'm like, "Damn, all right." Literally, after I text him, man, in less than right, 12 hours, I got a different email. And an email said, hey, Sean, I just want to let you know uh, we've updated it. And Grant is now available to speak with you in person. Mm-hmm. So one thing I got from that was, yo, build you some connections. Ed will probably never admit to doing it. <laughs> but he definitely must have helped there because it was like <laughs> night and day. Um, and they were like, he, he's re- he's available. So then I flew back. I flew down to Miami. Uh, his crazy thing, man, at this particular time, I'm not rolling. Like I'm not rolling with the whole camera crew. I had one yeah. of my homies who had a camera, uh, who would just capture me doing it. Dude, this was like raw stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, and I, I was like, all right, let's do it. You know, and we, we, we made it happen. Uh, Grant was, is, it still is. He's a, he's a big time figure, man. He pulls up in a Rolls Royce, people with the coffee standing outside, hand him his coffee. It's a super professional all my little cameras I brought didn't even need it. He had a whole studio. Yeah. They did everything, chopped it up, had it back to me before I got on the flight. Um, and and for me, it was one of the most incredible stories about uh, being relentless, yeah. building, uh, being uh, perseverant, um, realizing that hey, it's going to happen. But also too, just the value in building relationships. Uh, you never know who will be able to help you out. Yeah, so that's that's a perfect segue um, to that, and I think you know it's so important to understand one connecting with people, how to do it, but two, what doors can open from those connections. So talk a little bit about that because I mean that has been a theme throughout your life, right? It was a theme mm-hmm. when we were doing party promotion. It was a theme when we were getting promotions. It's a theme now as you run your podcast. Talk about that. Yeah, man. Uh- the value of building connections if you if you can become a connector you never be broke again and, and if you if you can become a connector and remain you have your integrity remain to be authentic and remain to be a giver yeah. you will never be broke again if you get anything from this interview and for me what 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 was happening is that not only was I interviewing people I was building relationships with them right yeah. and, and those relationships turn to me thinking about them, other opportunities will come. Mm. And so people will want to start to ask me questions about one, one of the biggest ways I made six figures as a side hustle. Yeah. And I definitely don't want to gloss over that. That's one of the main reasons why I left that job is that, you know, I made six figures as a side hustle doing podcasting. Yeah. Because as I, as I was podcasting, 
people were asking me questions like, yo, how are you doing this? Or how do you do that? How do I build a brand with this? Or how can I, you know, level this up? Or what can I do better? And I started to create programs and I started to sell books. I started to have the ability to run my own commercials. So I wasn't waiting yeah. for no sponsors. I was running my own commercials back to me, you know, and all that was beneficial. But back to relationships, though, the most unique thing that's happened in the last year and almost, you know, a year and a half now is that the people that I were interviewing became my clients, you know, in yeah. terms of what they were pushing, whether, you know, they wanted to create shows, yeah. uh, whether they wanted to do tours. Um, and, and, and that's what has catapulted me to almost move in a very unique space where the only thing you can compare it to is someone like an, an, an agent of an athlete, yeah. but for entrepreneurs. Yeah. So like my new North star, I think people always got to have an example of, of who who are you looking at? Like, all right, who are you looking at to really like, you know, inspire you? Yeah. It's changed, right? I didn't know I was doing this, but and I and my wife hates when I say this, but I also love it because everything I've ever said out loud has happened. Mm. And I want to be the rich Paul of entrepreneurs. Yeah. Right. And, and, and that's the lane I'm going in, man. I, I got some amazing clients that are crushing it in their space, best-selling authors, athletes, you name it. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. Well, Sean, any other highlights or pivotal moments that really stand out to you that you want to make sure we're going over today? Yeah, man, I think one of the biggest highlights is uh, sometimes you have to uh, realize whenever there's a hiccup and something that you thought you enjoyed, Mm. it's a sign that you should be doing something else. People Mm. always say, People always say, oh, I I can get over this. I can get over that. No, maybe it's a sign that is redirecting you to something else. Mm. So back in like 2014, I would have thought $100,000 running my own uh, own district or something like that was something amazing. Yeah. Right. Um, But there was always hiccups. Right. There were always, you know, even though you're getting promoted fast there was always somebody getting promoted faster than you your whole life was was being you know devoted to people who were pulling the strings for you like you Mm. didn't have no control over it at all and the next thing i want people to understand is environment is key the Mm. reason why i thought that way is because that's all i ever saw but let me tell you right now man if you get on a plane right now and you go from basic economy to first class oh you ain't going back to basic economy (laughs) it doesn't matter where you're flying to you could be taking a flight that's 45 minutes away once you get exposed to something different oh it's it's almost odd to go back right how can i go back you're listening to this i want you to upgrade your flight to first class (laughs) once you realize they're giving all you can drink jack and cokes you're not going back there waiting for the peanuts yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not gonna do it, right? You're not gonna do it unless you just want to save a whole bunch of money and be uncomfortable on a four-hour flight. But it's it's it, it's it's back to the main point. Your environment is key, and what you see is what you become. Yeah, that's really good. I love that. Well, Sean, I want to say thanks so much for highlighting your story and you know talking about the pivotal moments and just those life lessons that have continued to grow and expand and have led you to where you're at. And, um, I'm super excited to just you know see where you're going and the trajectory you're on. And the only promise you got to make me is probably a year, maybe two from now, we got to do this again and highlight all the additional pivotal moments that have led to uh, becoming the oh, best boss. Absolutely, man. What, what episode are you on right now? One, man, I don't know, like 180 something. Oh man, you gotta have me back on at 280. And the reason why I say that is, is because um I learned when I had Evan Carmichael on, he said yeah. that to me. 
early stages, he was like, hey, man, what episode is this? It, it was early in the yeah. game. He was like, all right, on episode 100 and whatever, I want to I be back on. And I the reason it. why I'm telling you this is because people that have the consistency element that know that they can continue to do this and make it there, oh, their whole life is going to be different in 100 episodes. So I'll see, you all, I'll see you all on 180. Well, but, 280, 280, 280. My God. Hey, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. It's 280. He'll be back. So, Sean, 280, thank- I'm on Rich Paul status, man. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you, my man. And hey, welcome, man. Talk soon.